Hello everyone, welcome back to the top of the card. I am one of your five co-hosts, Scott. Yes, we're back after another week. It it's it's the season. It's WrestleMania season. We're we're going quick, we're going often. There's a lot happening. There's a lot to talk about. You can follow us at Top of the Card Pod on Twitter. Uh, you'll eventually find us on YouTube. I've been bad at that. Now it's a running joke, so I'm gonna make sure that's taken care of. But we are on Spotify and all your other podcast type destinations. You can find us there as well. And I'll pump uh, a promo for our Prediction League, Frontline League. We just had ROH happen. We have WrestleMania coming up. You want to be a part of that, twitter.com slash Frontline League. There is the YouTube channel for that as well as, well, the Discord. It, it's all available down below. But I'm not the only one here. Let me get to the others as well. Red, you are here as well. How are you today? I'm doing okay. I just got the vaccine shot today, so I'm a little drowsy. But I wanted to be here for you guys tonight. So vaccines, yeah, I, I've heard of those. Uh, GMSG, I hear you also are in that boat. Yep, had mine Sunday. It's what is today? Tuesday, Tuesday night. Yep, yep. yep just long day and tired. Uh huh. That's what it's gonna be like. Bear me. Uh, you're you're closely with yours as well, right? Yep, I uh, just had mine today, so I'm a little tired and uh, sore, but other than that, I'm good to go. And CT, um, I, do, I do not know what your situation's like with that, but you actually had a COVID scare as well. <laughs> I had a COVID scare, passed that, did multiple tests, didn't have a fever or anything. So I got my second COVID uh, shot on Sunday also. Hey, so someday I'll get my first one. Canada, Canada slacking, it seems. Yeah, actually, it is quite literally. That's the news. So, yeah. But uh, glad you guys are safe because your stuff's all opening up and it's, you know, everything's great down there. I'm being very sarcastic, but no, the, the sooner the vaccination's good, everything is healthy. We'll get the world back to normal. Everybody please get vaccinated for, for God's sake, please. <laughs> let's just, let's just be normal about this. In the meantime, though, we got wrestling. We're talking wrestling. That's what we're here for. Not COVID stuff, even though wrestling is very different. Thanks to COVID. And we're going to start with right off the bat with the ROH 19th anniversary, which was apparently taped, uh, like, a week or so prior, maybe? I, I truly don't know. It, it's unsure when it was taped, but it was taped, and it aired last Friday. Uh, we watched it. It was 20 bucks. There was some fun stuff. I missed the pre-show. Um, I'll, I'll just... We'll cover the main part of it. I, I know, GMSG, I'll go to you first here, simply because, yes, Dan Housen was on it, and yes, so were Shane Taylor Promotions, and you're happy about one of those, but not the other. Well, actually, I wasn't mad at Dan Housen losing, but... It is what it is. I mean, he's great. Everyone loves him. Even Kenta and CM Punk love him. <laughs> but yeah, it's a good show until the second half. But you're you're not happy with Shane Taylor Promotions being like pre-show six-man tag guys, right? No, they they're too good. And that will, they should be a main card. Everybody who did watch this, we've got CT, GMSG, Bear Me, myself, and Red. We we all did watch this. Uh, I think now I'm starting to, it, it's only been like four days. I don't remember who all saw it, but it started great. It started fun. Um, CT, I know we had a bit of a problem with it early on because the first few matches up before Jay Briscoe and EC3, there was this three kind of one-on-one matches and they were all very samey, weren't they? Yeah, this shit was boring. Like, let's not beat around the bush here. Um, like this, like this is the prime example of like it is good in ring work. You have a lot of really competent people doing a lot of really competent in ring action, but just no real stories. 
um, not only just stories of the match, but also just like the in-ring stories where it just all really blends into each other. It's also the ROH issue and we talked about with Fastlane, like, wow, that really could have been a SmackDown main event. ROH fills their shows with so many matches that feels like it could have just been a weekly TV main event. Dalton Castle versus Josh Woods didn't, at least, I don't watch the weekly show, at least how they presented it, didn't have a story that demanded it be on pay-per-view. Um, they seem to want these 10-card matches, and ROH has historically done this. And I think it's really just not good, especially when it's going to be a you know, three- to four-hour show then. I, you know, it felt long, it felt boring. It did eventually pick up, luckily. Um, but yeah, that stretch from probably Tracy Williams to Dalton Castle was not not good. Mm -hmm. uh, there was the fun aspect of Tracy Williams winning the TV title by defeating Kenny King, who was defending it on behalf of Dragon Lee. So we got some interesting history there. There's been the odd case historically of substitute champions from a faction or even just because they're being silly. Uh, Goldust defending for Triple H as Hunter Dust comes to mind with the Euro title, but it's not something you see often nowadays. Uh, it, it Normally they'd figure something out or do something else, but with limited taping and limited availability, Dragon Lee couldn't fly, and that's what they did. Uh, the, now, Jay Briscoe versus EC3 is, I think, where we all agree that things did pick up. Actually, I know you were looking forward to that one back at Final Battle, right? We were hyped for that one. I was. I was really, uh, really, really... Uh, hype for this match uh the, they cut really good promos before like jay briscoe's one was absolutely fantastic he talked about nxt and all that but the in-ring storytelling to this match was amazing ec3 has been wanting jay briscoe's respect and jay briscoe has been like you can't even look me in the face how am i going to give you respect and shake your hand you don't deserve it but they shook his hand he shook his hand during the match and then it ended after he gave him the old J-Driller. But, man, it was just hard-hitting, spectacular match. Loved it. Yeah, he pulled him into his finisher with the handshake, which was... It, it was an earnest handshake as well. So it wasn't just, like, a ruse. He actually did it. But, I mean, Jay Briscoe's whole thing was he was defending honor. Because these three were saying, is there honor in Ring of Honor? Yes. Because, <laughs> like, you're not going to have Jay Briscoe <laughs> lose that. Right? And, yeah, no, he, he, he won that one. One of my favorite matches of the whole night was the inadvertent, impromptu three-way with Bandito, Flamita, and Ray Horace. Uh, Jim G, what were you thinking with this throwaway extra match on a on a ten-match card? They give us this one, and it is awesome. It sadly reminded me way too much of WWE's Lucha House Party, <laughs> but better. So it was a good match, but just felt really strange to add that to the card. It, there was no reason for it. Like, it's, it's it, the anniversary show. Why are you doing this match? Aside from, yeah, it's competently good, but why? Adding the fact that those were the guys that lost earlier on the kickoff, too. Yeah, they lost challenging for the six-man tag titles in their rematch. And they're the ones who get to come out because of their inability to work together, which led to the loss. Being the guys to get... It, it's a weird situation, but good match. I enjoyed it. Uh, as far as for the next match, this one in the FPL gave us problems because we needed a result and we had to wait for the write-up of Ring of Honor themselves like an hour after the show, which was, I think, one or two in the morning. Uh, but Vincent and Matt Taven went to a no contest in their unsanctioned match, which, I mean, non-finishes in these is kind of weird, but it, it actually was one. Uh, CT, you... 
you and I were, were really liking this one a lot, I remember, because the cinematic aspect of the Revolution match with Sting and Darby Allin and uh, Team Taz was just, like, so dynamic and, and epic looking. And they went really, like, not quite Hollywood, but indie for that. But this one was just straight up, they're in, like, this, this gym. And it looked proper, it looked appropriate for what it was about just documenting these guys fighting. Yeah, it was super raw, super natural. Not a lot, very, like you said, very different than the AEW one or even the EC3, uh, yeah, Moose one from uh, Impact. This wasn't trying to be like cinematic, quote unquote. <clears throat> this was like just very down to the bones, very straightforward and very brutal. Like I thought they really told a good story. Their back and forth talking was really, really, really fucking good. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this one. It was just, it was exactly what it needed to be. It wasn't trying to be anything more than it needed to be, but it also wasn't anything less. Mm -hmm. Now, Red, I know you, uh, you didn't care for this one quite as much. Something about the story didn't quite hit you the same way because of that same aspect. I was really just in for, for the show. Cause I saw the, uh, the video package to build up the match. And I saw that there was a story, but the, and throughout the whole match, there was no story. It was just a pure brawl. And I'm not going to lie, though. It was good. It's just I didn't like the no story aspect of it, especially when why is there a reason for an unsanctioned match should have a whole storyline with it? I think you're failing to notice like that if had number one, just like years of history in ROH, but also this was apparently a building they wrestled in like way like 10 years ago. Like they kept yelling to each other, like good to be back after 12 years or whatever, how many years it's been. I think like you're probably just not noticing. Like, I think this is out of everything on the card, probably the one with the most story. Yeah. I know the <laughs> intro of it. Taven's like, Oh, I know where he's going. I know this place better than he does. And uh, to be fair, I did look it up afterwards when looking for those results. And when they announced this match, it was to take place, I think it's in Boston, and it's where they both trained. It's like they're going back to their roots, where they both learned together. Uh, so there was a lot of backstory, but nothing. Like, because in my opinion, Jay Briscoe and EC3 had the most story, and the best match of the night. Oh, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not saying it's wrong, but they, they did absolutely... I mean, Ring of Honor is somewhat bad, I, I will admit, about getting across the story during the match, even with commentary, because Flip Gordon... Uh, no, sorry. Dalton Castle versus Josh Woods was apparently something where Woods needed to win to allow his team to reunify. I didn't know they couldn't, and they didn't get across that as a thing during. So, yeah, they, they, they do drop the ball a bit on that and assume that you know everything about it. WWE, Impact, AEW even. They, they might hammer you over the head with their pre-shows and their packages, but they don't give you a chance to not know what's up. So, I, I can see them possibly, like, if you missed it, fair. But they were at least trying to get across from what I saw about this being something historic. So, the problem with the story is it started a year and a half ago. Yeah. And then they got injured a little bit and then COVID hit. So it just kept getting delayed. And that's why it's kind of old by now. The other part, too, is we've had what seemed was going to be a blow off before and it wasn't. Yep. And then this one wasn't either. Like, it's not over when it should have been over twice now, just kind of based on how they pushed it. Uh, not to say that's Ring of Honor only. We've had the, like, Drew and Randy had their epic encounters and then had three more. Same with Roman and Kevin. They're fine. It's, I'm not complaining about it, but it's just weird to be like, oh, this is it. Now nah, we're doing more. Okay. Uh, 
as far as for matches that kind of surprised, I, I think honestly Jonathan Gresham versus Dak Draper was so damn good. The, it was the biggest surprise. Birmy, you you're jumping in already. Let's go. Yes. He's like a full head taller. Like like Gresham's small and Draper's huge, but Gresham's like Scott Hall height. I'll, I'll mention that because he's your boy. Uh, it's like six foot mm-hmm. seven, but. Gresham is what five foot four, so it was yes. ridiculous. Like he actually got a headlock, and Draper stood up, but Gresham held on because he was able to be like eye to eye and was punching him during that headlock. The creative stuff like that, and also they're both really goddamn good. I loved this match. Uh, what were you thinking of it? It was amazing. I think it told a really good story in the ring early on. You were trying to figure out how Jonathan Gresham was going to overcome this giant. He lost all of his rope breaks within like a minute span. Dax Draper looked like a million bucks in this match too. He was using he was he was doing that weird move where he was having him in like the his leg over his head and he was spinning him. That was cool. And the suplex that he was doing really good. But I really liked the uh, the ending of the storytelling when uh, Gresham hit him through the ropes, got the sleeper on him. Draper got back into the ring but passed out because he didn't have no more rope breaks either. Mm-hmm. So it was it was fantastic. And Jonathan Gresham's one of the best technical wrestlers in the world, so you knew it was going to be a damn good match. Yeah, this one was fantastic. I had no clue who Dak Draper was going into this like night, so seeing him being so big was definitely caught me off guard. Um, but I think Gresham has looked incredible over these past few months. Winning the pure championship, I think, is the best thing he possibly could do. He always was really good. Like, I don't think anyone was like, oh, Gresham isn't great. Um, but he looks like a star. And just seeing him overcome the odds here, beat this guy down, and then just win clean. That's the point of the pure championship. It really gets him over. And I really think he could easily be elevated to world championship after this and i think the peer championship seeing what it's done for gresham and seeing how it can get someone over like this i think it's a really like useful tool if you want to if you want to elevate someone to world championship material but i mean this match was fantastic i like the pure rules aspect i've never really watched roh i even asked questions like i thought it was three rounds because on the bottom they had three little markers Mm -hmm. When they said rope breaks and all that, I was like, that's an interesting concept. And the more and more it went, the more and more it's like, oh, he doesn't want to touch it, but he has to to break the hold, blah, blah, blah. I, I really did like this match. Like I said, third best of the night based on the other two. Yeah, it's almost twisting how like Iron Man rules work, where you can hit someone with a chair and get disqualified, but then you can pin them easily. Like you're sacrificing something to survive, which, which is the rope breaks, but it's a professional version of amateur rules, which is really, really interesting. Uh, GMSG, I know you were a fan of this one as well, and you got a real big kick out of the size difference, but uh, I'll throw to you also the fact of the pacing of the card, because this was match nine overall, and really seemed like it should have been early, because at 20 minutes, even though it was awesome, it was kind of long. Like, the, the first part of it did take a bit to get going, and that was a bit of a problem as the third last match after some, let's admit it, a nothing first half. It's amazing because I was about to bring that up and you read my mind. I got you. I know what's going on. I got this. And the only thing that also sucked was the fact that it came after an unsanctioned match that ended in a no contest. Because you have the most extreme and then you have the most followed by the rules match. And it's like, those are two opposites that should not be right next to each other ever. If that was like second or third in the card, it would have helped the entire card go through easily. Mm-hmm. We've said there's been issues with uh, Ring of Honor's match placement. Not even the pacing, but the placement. The pacing of a four-hour show is its own thing, but 
it, it's been some some risky stuff and i mean we, we've been covering ring of honor stuff for years now with the fpl and the grpl before that and it always starts off like okay this could be interesting and then oh it's picked up and then oh it's not great uh, I'll, I'll stick with you here as we go into the tag title match. La Bestia del Ring and Kenny King lost the tag titles on behalf of King and Dragon Lee, Bestia's son, to TV champion Tracy Williams and Rhett Titus in a match that really was kind of crap, right? You would think, and he's not that old, and he still looks actually in really good shape for a big man. And he's the father of two of our Ring of Honor's best guys. You would think he know what he's doing but he did not know like i know it's a short notice but he did not know where to tag in to step in to interfere and then they had a manager that literally did nothing the entire match and got blamed for it so i don't know what any of them discussed before this match but nothing worked with it i know you were saying there might have been a language barrier which is always possible with stuff like that but i mean it, it's taped <laughs> they could have that they could have done stuff to cover that, like, uh... And they have Roosh there. I think Roosh could have explained things between his father and King, I would hope. I was actually... LaBestia definitely, like, wasn't good as far as his cues and timing. Whenever he was in the ring, I was actually pleasantly surprised for how much he could go, considering he's not, you know, the youngest guy. When you look at him, you don't necessarily think he's going to be in there doing, like, flips and, like, looking good doing them. But I thought in-ring he was really good, other than the fact, like being a mess with cues and stuff so i do think like maybe if he was in you know with people he could actually talk to and stuff he would be really good um i, I don't know that caught me off guard because immediately i was like oh boy here we go and it was it was better than i thought yeah i'll admit when they said like okay so who's who's replacing him okay the tag team partner is replacing him in the singles match that's fair but who's who's king gonna team with oh la bestia del ring that's cool. I thought that was immediately exciting because he just debuted at Final Battle to help his boys. Now here he is defending on behalf of... Yeah, that was, that was pretty awesome. Uh, Bear me, what were you thinking of this one? Because I know you you weren't happy with it either. No, I mean, yeah, like I said, Bestio, he was a little off on the timing. I think, um, I think the reason Amy Rose didn't get involved, their manager, was because if you remember in the Tracy Williams-Kenny King match, mm -hmm. she threw in the title to Kenny King, and it kind of costed him. So I feel like maybe that's the reason she didn't get really involved in this tag match. Yeah, he didn't want her there at all during that one, and things just got worse here, where after the match, they fired her, and if I'm correct, it was Bestia that speared her in the ring. <laughs> Um, this also after the fact that they've announced the women's title is finally going to debut this summer. And uh, yes, yes, debut because they're ignoring the, the women of honor title they had briefly and they're replacing it with a women's title, which was the plan last year. They're finally getting around to it. And after that awesome women's moment, which was not an awesome moment, but it's cool to have the title come out. They speared a woman, which I get it. They're dastardly. Oh God. But still don't, don't do it. <laughs> Like, I get the the heels are heels, but don't showcase it on your social media like it's a, an amazing moment. That's not cool. Uh, Red, anything to add on this one? I know you weren't impressed with that. Or none of us were really impressed with it. We liked parts, but the match itself was a letdown. Unfortunately, this my night. I uh, I partaked to enjoy the show since I never watched it. I wanted to experience the best that I could. So did it get and better? this one put me to sleep. No, well, the, the whole show did up until this match. Well, I got put to sleep. 
and missed the final match. So you didn't see Roosh versus Jay Lethal? I did not. Jay Lethal? You may be ROH's best like son in that, but your anniversary matches suck. <laughs> the ref and both obviously were bad. Um, oh. Lethal no-selling out of nowhere, and Roosh just overkilling when he could have won anyway, and then cheating. Like, oh... And then the sidekicks coming out again and messing up, just like they did with Taven. Like, oh, it was just flashbacks, but not an hour long. Well, like, what, uh, Lethal took the chair shot when going for Lethal Injection was like, oh, I hurt. But I hit the move anyway now, ha! Like, it, that was one thing. But also, the referee seeing it and being conflicted whether or not to call the interference from the steel chair. And I, I presume everybody listening understands wrestling and sports and referees and you don't need to be a referee or know how to understand it when a foreign object is used that's one of the most blatant things possible that's a disqualification but the faces jay lethal went to the referee and said do the right thing because don't let him get disqualified let me be able to get this title and he's still lost like what well, uh, the point of it is, is lost there ct i know we, we were yelling quite a bit during this yeah, this this wasn't good. Uh, very boring main event. I think Roosh and I mean I I don't necessarily like either him or Lethal to be honest, but you know I do expect a little bit more considering they've both at least proven that they can go in the ring. Uh, the should have been a DQ is obviously stupid. It makes the referee look really dumb. I see a lot of people like, oh that referee sucks. I probably blame management more the booking that told him to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't think he was out there actually like, oh I don't know what to do. Um, yeah, this was stupid. And then the faction afterwards, even like, I know we haven't really gotten to it yet, but like, what a mismatch of people. It's really hard to be pumped or excited about anything having to do with this. It just, and even the, throughout the booking of the night with these factions fighting, like it really was hard. I felt to like care about anything about this main event and nothing delivered. Well, uh, bear me, I'll close with you on the match. I know we talked about Lethal and Roosh seemed like, oh my god, again? Even though it was for the first time ever. Like, that was that was the most glaring part of it. Because, yeah, they're both competent, but neither are like, this is the reason to watch. As far as I'm concerned. I do like Roosh somewhat, but ah, it's just, I'm over it. And I'm, I'm over Jay Lethal. So them together it was like, oh no, really, again? For the first time. I know you had the same thought with that one. Exactly. I feel like I see Jay Lethal in the main event scene too much. I mean, I know that he just had the tag titles, so he wasn't there. But it always feels like he's there, you know? Even if he's not. One thing that also really made me really upset about this match is Roosh, during like the beginning of it, went under the ring and grabbed some wires and started strangling Jay Lethal. Not only did the ref not call for a DQ, he actually went and broke it up and said, hey, you can't strangle a man. Mm -hmm. Like, what is this? I, Todd Sinclair, I know it's probably not your fault, but ROH management makes me not like you. So I don't like you. <laughs> yeah, like we can blame Todd Sinclair, but his character is the problem. And they're the ones making him be that way. Like, if, if he's just messing up on the timing, then yeah, it's his fault. But he's not the one actually doing it. That's how the story went with the booking and the agents, so... You got to remember that when you throw the hate around, but let's, let's keep talking about them and end the night of ring of honor on a sour note. CT mentioned the new faction and Brody King came out, which he lost against Roosh at final battle. So already it's like, oh, okay, what? And he called for someone from the back. He didn't come alone. 
and it was I, I forgive me i believe it was tony deppen which even commentary laughed at we're like what really but then homicide and chris dickinson came out and attacked and okay homicide that's uh, a, a, an roh legend a general legend overall coming back okay and Chris Dickinson, who we've seen on the Blood Sports and indie stuff, and this is kind of his first real big break into this stuff. Like he's not been on like even AW Dark, as far as I know. So this is this was cool, but these, I mean, much love to all of them, but they're nobodies compared to who they're against with LFI and the Foundation, who just barely failed to get all the titles. And you know, Jim is G. We'll go over to you. Shane Taylor Promotions, who is doing their thing with the six man. Like they're they're the guys who have the other belts that they lack. It's not why? What? It makes it even worse when you consider the fact that the last time Roosh defended the title a month ago, Kenny King attacked Shane Taylor with a chair and that cost Shane Taylor the match. Mm. Not only do they have the titles that none of the two other factions have, but they literally were involved with them just a month ago and they were just on the kickoff show and that was it. CT, it's almost like when you've got a two-faction storyline and there's a third faction to come in, you'd think there'd be a better way to write it. I know we're doing that with the FPL, but they're they're dropping the ball because this three-man team has belts that they want. One faction doesn't have it. One faction wants all the belts. Why not have that third faction come in? No, let's make a fourth. Yeah, and out of people who just don't at all go with each other, it's just very, very strange. Like, I genuinely don't get it it seems so obvious on paper like oh you, what you should do instead they went this direction it just it really doesn't make sense and it feels very very frustrating and uninspired and just like well i don't really want to tune in to the next show you know i don't care what happens next and bear me i know we're, we're the type we'll watch it anyway but we won't be excited about it when it comes up but uh i think ct's right like even if the entire show had turned that corner halfway through and then we get to this point and ah, it ends with a wet fart. It's a sour note. Like uh, Bully Ray said that about uh, the explosion for AEW with uh, Revolution. All people remember is the ending. It's that age old thing about sending them home happy. This, they're trying to get it across as epic, but it's like, who are these guys? They're still not named, by the way, uh, uh, four or five days later with a TV episode out. It's just a four man group who not only have no real connection, but no history with them. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. Yeah. It really doesn't. I don't get it. Like, we thought that there was going to be this big, kind of big thing at the end. Like, a lot of people maybe thought Andrade was going to come or whatnot. And that, that didn't happen. That would have been cool. But we get, Bro like I said, we get Brody King, who had already faced Roosh for the title. Tony Deppin. I like Tony Deppin. I like I like Brody King. I like all these guys. Chris Dickinson's awesome, and so is Homicide. But it's like, what? what's the point? What are we doing here? Why? Why all of this? Like... They had nothing in common, so yeah. It, it just, yeah, it left a bad taste, a very bad taste, especially with Shane Taylor Promotions just now probably doing nothing. That was Ring of Honor. Overall, it becomes a thumbs down towards the end, but like, I, I don't regret my 20 bucks. I kind of regret my four hours. See, oh, I feel you. It was, the same way. yeah, for better or for worse, it was exactly what I come to expect from ROH. I thought they were going to be better. They, they've been slightly on an uphill, and then that ending was just so bad. Red, your night ended with the tag match. Was that a better ending? Did you ever go back and watch the oh, other no. one? Or? I, I don't even count that as an ending. My ending was the pure rules match. Oh, okay. 
that left a good taste in my mouth. So that's a good main event. CT, let's swing over to New Japan because they just showed up. Oh God! Yo, yeah, you knew Do this was coming. We have to. Well, we can talk I, about. I, it. Yeah. Well, I went to you, you know, first simply this... because this is this is the thing we talked about last time. How much we don't like the fact they're unifying. We're not happy about it. It's it's a silly thing, but they're doing it, and you're already over the fact they're doing it, and it's a thing. It, here it is. Kota Ibushi's the first IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Um, they unveiled the belt today, and it. It's not too late to change this no. to where Kota Ibushi, you're making him the biggest heel, yeah. and you are having this all be terrible, because it really is. This is horrendous. It, it looks like when you go to the dollar store and you find the generic titles, like the generic titles are not tied to anything, but they have to make it look unique so no one sues them. It, it's just like this ugly, it's Cody's logo. It's horrible. It is genuinely, I think, it? horrendous. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, exactly. It, I'm watching a, a looped gif from uh, New Japan and from afar, it really does look like Cody's logo with the wings on the side and the skull in the middle, the way that the font even is. It's my complaint with it is it's a, it's too small. Like for one, if it was yeah. a bit bigger, it would work because it's the same scale as the other belts, but half of it's missing with the way it cuts in on the bottom. Yeah, I know they talked about it being like lion's jaws, and that's lost because it just <laughs> has wings and does uh, give a reminiscent look to the Divas title. I don't hate it. Like as a junior heavyweight belt, looks awesome. Great, high flyer with wings. Go for it. Run with it. As your world title, I think they missed. I think they missed. But they were like they could have salvaged this. But I I don't care for it. Uh, Red, what do you think on this thing? Honestly, I don't watch New Japan, so I don't know what they all look like. Just taking an aspect, if WWE would introduce this, I really like it for a mid card title. Mm -hmm. Like you said, uh, I guess a junior is a mid card. Um, but as a world title, it needs to be bigger. I mean, that's your top guy. That should be the biggest title. Not like crazy, like a foot and a half, two feet diameter, but it should still be the big one that everyone knows what it looks like just by glancing at it. Yeah, I know, uh, GMSG, we, I actually, I don't know what your opinion on this one is, but I think if it was a bit bigger, if the, the wings stuck out more, cause the old one had a crown kind of sticking up. Uh, way back there was one it was ridiculous how much the crown stood out but this is supposed to be for the king of sports with the lion and stuff I really think they missed on the motif and they could have leaned in heavier and accomplished it instead of baking Cody's logo Um, the funny thing is I woke up at 6am this morning go on Twitter and I see CT upset about it I'm like oh what is this and I'm like oh why does that look like something I would see Dan Housen prayed around with from a store oh, oh no that's not good seeing like Cody's tattoo on it it's just oh I of course have seen the flip side where people have put the belt on Cody's tattoo and yeah it, it's it's everything you think it that's is. pretty good yeah it, it's it's pretty funny I mean to be fair this like they have before the new title belt that they had before this like this is kind of historically what they've had before they've had really ugly belts and they have like a reason for it all they posted this big thing on Twitter oh this is why there's so many sides and so many jewels and what everything means but like I think you could have as much meaning and history behind it but it looks horrible that's just like my bottom line i see a lot of people not hating it so i fully respect like i'm probably the more negative out of the you know normal population but i think this looks horrendous i like i said i think it just needs to be like scaled bigger because it just looks too small on a bushi who's not a big heavyweight either 
it looks too small with him holding it against his waist. If it was scaled a bit bigger, it would look more regal, more big gold belt style of just the, the size of it is worthy of, yeah, I'm the man. Let's also remember, like, everyone hated the Universal Championship. Like, every new title, everyone hates the TNT title sucked. And then it just grows on you. So I'm not like... And again, it's still like, the like if you have to establish a championship to have the best wrestlers in the world fight in some of the best matches of the year, like, for it, that's a good way to build a championship. So I think it's going to be fine. Yeah. Um, but I mean, obviously, I wish it looked better. It's just, it's just wings. It's like an Air Force pin that someone has right like that that's all this thing is yep but with titles and lineage and history uh the other main thing we're going to talk about is the hall of fame and this is something interesting because their 2020 class is being inducted uh technically it got inducted today because they taped it they they're taping the hall of fame ceremony to be aired next week and that's I'm, I'm somewhat surprised, but also not at the same time, because it makes sense. Use the facilities, do stuff while you can. There's nothing airing on Tuesday, so let's go for it uh, their, for their stuff. Like, let's make WrestleMania week and TakeOver week not as busy and just get the stuff in the can, which makes all the sense in the world. Uh, from what we've got on the 2020 list, and we'll talk about 2021 also, which hasn't been taped yet. That's probably tomorrow. Uh, we've got JBL, the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, Jushin Thunder Liger and celebrity inductee William Shatner along with the NWO specifically Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall and Sean Waltman not listed as six for whatever reason and the Bella Twins Nikki Bella and Brig Bella uh, missing from that obviously is Batista he did request to be withdrawn at this point so he can actually have an induction later because he could not make it due to obligations so Really, he's just going to headline when there's fans back probably in a year or two, but that's that. Uh, as far as for the inductions here, CT, I'll go over to you. Does anybody stand out? And let's, let's not be negative about who shouldn't be in, because I don't want to focus on that. But anybody really stand out? Hot take. I don't think there's a single name on this list that doesn't deserve to be in. I think every single one. I see a lot of people shitting on the Bella Twins. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry that you, whether you don't like, if you even if you don't like the Divas Division, they held the, you know the division together during that time. It still is a part of history. So I 100% think they should be in. Um, obviously Liger's cool, despite him having one match. I think in WWE, which was yeah. NXT. Yeah. Um, he's cool to see go. He's you know a wrestling great. Kane, Rob Van Dam, like they should, really should be in. I guess Kali, like you said, not to get negative. Kali probably is the name on the bottom list for me. Um, yeah, I think this looks really solid. I think these are two really solid lists. Well, yeah, that's the the 2021 list. I'll I'll go through that list here. We've got Kane and Rob Van Dam. We got the great Kali. Yep, Eric Bischoff and Kali. Yeah. Some of these are like, of course. And then there's also the great Kali. Let's. I don't want to be overly negative, but I'll, I'll just. Wait. What? I can defend it. Well, I was going to say too. But yeah, we the all I'm sure we all can, but it's still like, hmm. <laughs> the reason is what most people don't realize like with Europe and North America and that Kali is technically possibly one of the biggest popular celebrities in the entire world easily. Mm -hmm. Because India loves him and they have one of the biggest populations in the world. He's a god when he walks down their streets. Like, The Rock is famous here. Beyond famous. I think the Kali dwarfs him in India. Easily. 
in numbers. Yeah, also he's one of the biggest international, just biggest international wrestling icons there is for India over there. I mean, I think he is the biggest. I can't really think of too many more off the top of my head. Kali might have pushed thousands of wrestlers in India and from that area of the world. Mm -hmm. So he influenced the next generation of superstars like we saw on the Super Show in January. I was going to say, yeah, every single person on there credited Kali. Like, not a one did not say he was my inspiration. He's the reason I'm here. Like, they, they all did. It, it, they're doing a performance center because of that turnaround, because of him. Like, he's, it, it's pretty goddamn big. Uh, Red, what's your opinion of the great Kali? We're talking Kali at this point, so. Oh, I'm fine with Kali being in it. I know how big of a superstar he is in India. He's, I'm not saying single-handedly, but he, a lot of it was put onto his back when they started this new was it, NXT India programming they're going to be doing soon. Like, Eventually, yeah. He's the reason. I believe he's the reason why they're even in that market. So that that is Kali. Um, that's the obvious one where it's like, okay. When pe- most people look at him, and we're, we're... Remember, we're at the point where we're inducting the legends of, like, 2008. Let, let's keep that in mind for people like in perspective wise i mean ct that was what four years before you started watching if i remember correct and for beer me and i that's yeah when the, i started watching he was dancing with Santino. yeah and for beer me and i that's 20 years on so yeah um eric bischoff's one with that kind of stuff like for what he accomplished and did it's like Vern johnny going back in like he was a great rival what he did in the industry is a major thing um uh, bear me though I'll, I'll go to you with rob van dam because you know warden uh mm-hmm. he apparently as, as bully ray even said it's only the second original ecw act to get inducted after the dudleys yeah it's kind of crazy to think i mean it's well deserved i think that they made obviously the right choice the guy in ring wise was one of the best to ever do it like when he used to do the move from the coast to coast mm-hmm. he's the one that like pretty much did that and all of his accomplishments, he was Money in the Bank winner, uh, world world champion. All, he held all the mid-card titles, pretty much. Yeah, well-deserved. I love Rob Van Dam. It's great. And speaking of guys who kind of did everything, Kane's probably the biggest one for that. I know, CT, you were seeing that, too. I mean, he's a lifer. He's I'm on Wikipedia, and he's got four lines of information about all these tag titles and other accolades here, there, and everywhere. I forgot he won Money in the Bank in 2010, for crying out loud. Uh, he's he's a, probably the biggest no-brainer out of everybody on here, right? Also, it was incredibly sweet when he Undertaker surprised him on the bump. I don't know if it was a real surprise, but Kane at least acted really like taken back and really thoughtful and just like breathed it in for a minute. And that was like it was really sweet. Like Kane, I don't like you as a politician at all, but like <laughs> you know what? As a person, that was sweet. Yeah, when he's like, "Really? You're not you're not kidding me?" Like I I figured that was legit. And Eric Bischoff talked about that. He said whenever he's doing interviews this time of year, he always has in the back of his mind, maybe now's the time. So he was taken aback when they inducted him, but he wasn't surprised because he kind of expected it because he figured it's that time of year. But he was still like, oh, it's real. Oh, oh God, okay. Uh, Hurricane got to tell Molly as well, right? Like there's been some fun moments they've been doing with this stuff as of late. I will say I love that they took this from the NFL because when the NFL does it, it, it always feels great witnessing these players like get acknowledged by the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. and then having these people acknowledged by their closest peers. It, like, could you imagine if we saw um, Ron Simmons do this with JBL oh, last yeah. year? Yeah. 
like that that would have been insane or like rick flair or triple h calling like batista like that would have been insane yep. now th- there are some weird ones like uh, ct i know we talked about the bellas a bit uh or you mentioned it like yeah they belong in they do you might not be a fan but they belong in there it, it can be argued easily i feel the nwo is a weird one for me um because everybody's already in hogan nash hall and waltman are already in the hall of fame so they're being inducted again a second time technically all but x-pac was for their individual careers and he he went in as part of dx i think it's weird to induct the nwo because the way i always look at it technically they're already all in so this is a weird really weird thing to do to induct them again right? i guess but i mean i do think this like this is a faction a group that changed wrestling right like so i get it but also with this WWE hall of fame which number one is not that serious already yeah. number two like they're running out of people i think that's the biggest issue with the hall of fame and like they're not it's not sustainable with their history but like when you change the history as a group putting the group in i think at least like i'm fine with it i'm definitely not batting an eye towards it uh, I feel like if it's a tag team, both people get rings. I feel like if they do groups and there's at least three, four, or five people, they should be recognized in the Hall of Fame. But like if like say they haven't gotten a ring, then give it to them. But like having all these people get like two rings, like you could have the click in there as well, and that's third ring for half the people. Like you could have like Evolution, the Four Horsemen, that's- and Ric Flair will have one, and it's like. Uh, that is what I was kind of thinking of because Ric Flair got in and then the four horsemen got theirs, which I mean, people could argue that Arn Anderson should go in on his own and so should Tully, but they would, this is how mm-hmm. they got in. But if evolution goes in, I mean, triple H is already in Flair's already in Batista is going in. And I mean, let we're fooling ourselves if Randy Orton isn't going in. So he, Orton's going to be a two timer because of evolution. So is Batista Flair's going to be three times. And really, if they put in Evolution, he's already in. Triple H is going to get a solo induction too, right? Like, that that's where we're going with this, right? Yes, I agree. New, New World Order should not be in it. Um, mm. They've all... Let me like, clarify that. New World Order shouldn't... I'm not saying they shouldn't go in, but who they're inducting is already in. Let's get Vincent. Let's get Scott Norton. Let's get great... Let's go. Put them all in. Do it. <laughs> that's what I mean. Don't give these four again. They're literally all already in. No, I, I'm straight up saying they shouldn't be in because when each of these individuals, well, I won't say X-Pac because he came as DX, but when Kevin, Scott, and Hulk all went in, NWO was in the promotion package. Yeah, it was, it was already announced yeah. that they were a part of it. Yeah. So, it's opening up too many doors. You're going to sit there, like you said, Triple H is going to be a three-time if they continue this. You announced that JBL is going in this year. Guess who's going in next year? The APA. It's like you're going to make it to where you're going to have to induct all these special tag teams, all these factions, just because you want to make a show seem long or seem full. You don't have to have seven, eight, nine, ten different entries every year. You can have a year with three or four people and make it that big. Honestly, we know Taker's going to go in. Taker and like a warrior person and a celebrity and maybe a female. That could be your whole show, and it would still be bomb. You don't need to sit there and put every single person, because like CT said, we are running out of names. There are names, but how many of them are quality for being considered Hall of Fame? Well, I think we started running out of names when we put in Mark Henry, who was still mostly active. 
I don't think anybody disagreed that he would go in the Hall of Fame. It's just weird when he went in, as far as I'm concerned. The the guys we're thinking of now, like think think of the people current, like Roman and and Seth, and we talked about that. Like the Shield's going to go in, and all three are going to go in as well, because Dean like eventually go in. Jericho's going to go in. Like all these guys are going to go in eventually. Sheamus is a Hall of Famer. The New Day. And maybe even all solo, depending how their careers spin from here. Kofi's solo-worthy alone. CT, you said it. The Hall of Fame is really just a showcase in a show. They love it. It's they're, they're, they're respected by their peers and their company. Like, yeah, you're a company guy. Thanks. Here you go. So they love it. But it's not a real independent decided Hall of Fame. The fact that we still have to get The Rock and Undertaker in there. There's always going to be more names, but they're going to be shoveling them in. That's nothing new. I've, I've joked about it before, but Coco Beware and Hacksaw Jim Duggar in the Hall of Fame. They were fun and popular, but I would never say they're Hall of Fame worthy, but that's me. N- so, no disrespect meant, but it's there's a there's a level of what is classified as Hall of Fame worthy, I feel, and we've gone well beyond that. So, so every year there's like a main eventer, like the biggest entry. Who's it for 2021? Because I feel like they're all on the same level. Okay. Technically, if we're counting the world, but Kane probably in the U.S. Yeah, Kane's their guy. I'm just wondering if they're still going to announce one other person. Oh, they might. They might announce tomorrow when they tape it. For all we know, I feel like if this wasn't like COVID, obviously, I think if this was normal, I feel like this would probably be the year Taker goes in. Oh yeah. If if the year he had was the same with him having his last match, retiring, doing the last ride, like it feels like narratively this is the year. Yep. Obviously, you don't do that in front of a. No crowd. Yeah, because he, he closes out with Survivor Series and he goes to the Hall of Fame immediately. Because that's, it's one of those funny things where you talk about first ballot Hall of Famers. And now I'll be clear, I don't know much about other sports, but I do know the UFC does stuff where they don't have any kind of waiting period. And if you go back and listen to Jabber Radio episodes where I talk with Bomber a lot about the WWE Hall of Fame, he feels there should be a waiting period in a moratorium. However, for the greats like Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan, they waive that period. And that happens with some of those. If Undertaker doesn't get waived, are you kidding me? But they're not, they're not, they don't do that. They don't, they don't have any kind of moratorium. They'll put Edge in right away. They'll put Guerrero in right away. Undertaker is not going in right away. That's weird. He's technically not going in the first chance he could. I mean, they could have put him in at any time because he's active, but. I get it, but like sometimes, like the spur of the moment, like when Edge just had to retire, like mm. it was just heart wrenching. So, like, it kind of makes sense to like, and it's kind of the weird way of them being able to pay, yeah, and take care of someone also not as a superstar, but as uh off the side talent legend. It's gonna sound weird, but let's put him in while he's still a draw, right? Yeah. Let's close out with NXT stuff. We kind of have to this week because we won't have time next week. Because it's on Wednesday and Thursday and it's a whole thing. So let's dive into NXT. Let's dive into night one because we're doing two nights. And let's work our way through. We got a gauntlet eliminator match to determine the number one contender for the North American Championship the next night. And it's going to be a battle royal with, I think, 12 people or six, six, whatever. And you you throw them out. And the last six, the order of elimination is going to be their order of entrance in the gauntlet. That's convoluted as hell. But there's a lot of fun names in there, like L.A. Knight and Bronson Reed and Isaiah Scott and Kushida's in it and Roderick Strong and Pete Dunne. It That's going to be fun. Um, uh, CT, what do you think is going to win? Who, who do you think is going to win that? Uh, I think Dexter Loomis is the most obvious answer. Him and Gargano have been feuding. That makes the most sense to probably take off, um, you know, to 
continue that feud and maybe even take the title off Gargano. Mm-hmm. That seemed like the foregone conclusion, right? Everyone figured it was going to be Gargano and Loomis. So the fact that he's in this having to earn his way is kind of weird. But I mean, it's a match to fill two nights and with a storyline. And it's a big win for him to give him a boost. I mean, Loomis has been relevant, but he hasn't necessarily had like that big win to really propel him to being like championship material. This gives him that. So, I mean, it's yeah. good. Red, I know you you like Loomis. He's, he's a fun one. What do you think on this one is his chances? Honestly, I think it's time. He's been dealing with the Garganos and all that. I think this would be perfect for him to win this. Just go straight into Gargano match and win the title off of him. Yeah, but I I feel that's the way to go as well. Uh, Bear me. Do you think we're gonna have an LA Knight spoiler come in there? And yeah, take it. Yeah, no, but I wish. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, Dexter Loomis is gonna win it and then go celebrate with uh, Miss Indie Wrestling Loomis afterwards. Sadly, most of the other guys are already infused with the other guys in the matches to set up, so it's probably going to be Loomis. Or it would be funny if it is Theory. It's probably not going to be, but it would be funny if Gargano had to face his son. That that would be awkward and fun. Uh, the other... I mean, there's two more titles, and it's kind of weird because we've got the vacant NXT tag titles with the must-see kids, Jimmy C, MSK. The Grizzled Young Veterans and the Legado del Fantasma members, Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wild. Uh, Jim Machi, MSK, messy kids. Here you go. Mrs. Boys, kind of, but not really, but are. Are you picking yeah, up, I presume? Probably. And this is possibly my match of the, that night. Mm-hmm. Even though Walter and Trumpa looks good, I, I that triple threat tag match in NXT always kills. I, yeah, I mean, I like all three teams. I really like Grizzled Young Vets a lot, as well as MSK. Legato Del Fantasma is cool, too, I mean, but that's pretty much because of Santos Escobar. I think I'm going to go with MSK as well, even though I would not be upset if uh, Grizzled Young Vets won. Oh, I got MSK. I think they were always going to be the ones taking off the title, but injury on their end and then injury on the tag titles end, I think this is just a quick way to say, hey, we knew we were going to get the title. So yeah. Go ahead. Do a great match. You win it. Now, you say that. I know they've done things before where it seems like a foregone conclusion. MSK wins it, and they do the swerve like the veterans, and then MSK only you know dethrones them later. CT, do you see the obvious well, happening here? Or, or... Why did you steal my exact logic? Ah. Yeah, I'm going grizzled young veterans here. <laughs> uh, MS, this screams to me that they're going to get the win. MSK is going to beat them probably at the next takeover sometime down the line. Mm-hmm. But this is where grizzled young veterans gets their tag team title win. Uh, it seems pretty obvious to me. Which, of course, uh, I'll single out our Discord a little bit, where they'll be like, oh, why'd they give it to them in the first place if we're just going to lose it? That's why. Because they got to be the guys that do it, and then someone else did it. And it's, yeah, like, just because the end result might be one thing doesn't mean they're going to have a journey to get there. So I think that probably is going to be a match of the night. But let's look at the other matches anyway. Uh, 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 bear me. Walter mm. versus Ciampa, UK title. Oh, God. Yes. So much yes. <laughs> it's like a big Daniel Bryan yes. It's, it's not... It's not Balor, but it's <sighs> that. Yeah, it's 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 up there. It's not. It's not going to be as good as Balor and Walter, but Walter is going to murder Tommaso Ciampa, and it is going to be excellent. Unless they're playing some seven-dimensional chess, and you had Ciampa fly to the UK to defend against Rampage Brown the next day, um, yeah, Ciampa. I mean, Walter is winning this, but it's going to be a incredible match. Hopefully, oh, I think he's losing. I don't want him to. Yeah. I think he should win, but they're just going to keep Walter strong at this point. I will say Walter should win this, but I will say, though, he did mess with the locket yeah. of Ciampa's daughter. And that is so taboo. 
for a champion to do something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming Walter's winning, but it'll be a it. You know what? It actually fits on this card for being the most physical match. Eo and Raquel, which I know a lot of people were upset about this one being for the women's title because Raquel just won, like, was awarded the women's tag titles and then lost it immediately. Now, if you go back to our last episode of Top of the Card, we talked about that where she's probably being freed up to go after this title in this exact match. And here we are. So we're we're not surprised by it, but, oh, she just lost the tag titles. Why she get this shot? And yet... She's been built pretty goddamn strong, I think. Uh, CT, what do you think on that one? You know, it's such a shame. You know, Lashley lost the U.S. title, and then I know everyone had an outcry when a week later he won the WWE Championship. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, WrestleMania. Yeah, it's too bad he got ruined, well, right? So. Yeah, I mean, that's not good logic. Sorry. Um, I do have Raquel, Raquel here. Io Shirai has held it for almost a year. She's pretty much faced everyone. Uh, I'm hopeful for this match. I've not been a huge fan of Io's title reign because I just think like most of the matches haven't really delivered. So I'm hoping Raquel kind of has a breakout performance because up to this point, I don't think she's been like great um Have you, you seen know match with Rhea? yeah i did that was good that was really good but it's more consistency yeah, you're saying, right I mean, yeah i mean you can have like a, yeah i'm not saying she's bad or anything but like it's just it has, she hasn't reached that point where like every match she's in i'm like oh it's gonna be probably great yeah can i jump oh, in? i feel you absolutely sure. i know ct or uh, oh i did it i did it on the recording gmsg oh. damn it i almost i thought i did it earlier too but we're keeping that it's yeah i'm leaving that in don't worry i know you've been very upset about the stop start issues of eo's defenses right not even just that raquel technically was basically set to be the number one contender when she pinned eo in november war games it, or early December, because I think they changed it. Yeah, but yeah. I think, yeah, they moved it to December. But that was four months ago. And then she beat Rhea, who everyone knows, even though she, Rhea wasn't champion, she was, in a way, the top dog there. Yep. Beat her and drove so, her out, essentially. So, yeah. for the last three months, Raquel's just been this sidekick to Dakota for the tags, and Io's just had random defense after random defense of just random appearances. And it just felt like they delayed this match way too long. And honestly, I don't know who's winning. I actually don't know. Mm-hmm. I got EO winning this. I don't think that they're going to put it on Raquel. I think they just needed another person to continue EO's reign. I'm not sure who's going to be next, but I'm thinking, and I don't really know her name. Is this a new girl who sits at the top of the ramp? That's not a the... girl. That's not a wrestler. That's a mystic figure tian Shah, i believe with uh zaya lee and well then i think zaya lee might be the one taking it i had something with yeah. that storyline tells me that they're going to be on the title hunt soon i can see that you know what? i could see eo win and then taya valkyrie comes out yeah. that could be interesting i'd be on board for that she's been posting a lot of stuff about the wwe era loka so i i think she's imminent we thought that last time but it's Come on, <laughs> let's let's get her going in here. That, that's got to be where he goes. So I could see EO retaining to face Taya, absolutely. But I'm, I think I'm going with Raquel as well on this one. But again, we we're we're into that whole Oscar thing where someone's got to dethrone her, and then the Shayna, someone's got to do it. We're we're getting to that with EO, and we keep thinking she's going to lose, and she doesn't. So we keep falling for it. I 100% think Raquel's going to win this. Yep. She's been built up. She's been built up to win this. I don't think there's going to be interference in that match since it's kind of their mania takeover. I don't think I I don't see the main event having shenanigans. Raquel's been built up so much, and plus Eo's the one that wanted this match. 
she wanted Raquel to sign it, so it's kind of like, be careful what you wish for. I got one thing to segue from Night 1 to Night 2. Okay. And that's, uh, Night 1 seems like a wet fart. What? Like, I think they're mm, doing... Bro, I think what they're, are you talking about? What are I you I think on? they're that's doing... Hard. Walter is let, God. Let, let, let Red say what Red's going to say, because I have a feeling Red's going to say they're making Night 1 look weak on purpose. Is that what you're going with? No, not at all. Okay, um, I thought we were going, I think, like, what? No, they're not going to self-sabotage. People think that. They're not doing that. You're crazy if you think that, people. So I don't know. I, I look at the two cards, and I see one card being extremely better than the other, first one. Like, I, I think they're doing USA dirty. I don't know if they're just not really caring anymore. You are thinking or... they're sabotaging it. No, because they're staying on USA. Yeah, they're going why, to a different night. Then why are they doing them dirty? I don't know. I get the feeling like they really don't care. They want to promote Peacock to be better. But, okay, so the tag titles are going to guarantee... Oh, you're saying they're sabotaging it. There's going to be a six-man gauntlet limiter with a lot of stars. Walter and Ciampa is a big deal for everybody. Mm -hmm. And a big-time women's match. But that's the... I mean, yeah, you might think it's the weaker one. Absolutely, that's fair. But you can't say they're not sabotaging it, but they're purposely making it bad because they don't care about USA. Or you, you could even say, like, they don't care about it. But they're on USA. Like, that's not stopping. That's not changing. And the whole USA thing is part of NBC Universal, which is all the same owners. So why would they purposely make it not good or not care about a thing they're doing? Because they want to make Peacock better. They want everyone to see that Peacock is going to be a thing. It's not just a new provider. But they, but they get money through ratings on USA. So For they have to keep that deal. They, yeah. For the same owners. Like, the same people. That I, I just don't know how you USA. can see. That makes no sense. I don't, I don't know how you can see Walter versus Tommaso Ciampa that triple threat tag match and be like, oh, it's it's let they're trying to sabotage. Like, yeah, that's fucking good. Like, that's a really good card. It looks I, like. I disagree. I'm not. I'm not for night one. Night two. I'm all about. I. I Dude, all you, I all you gotta do is night one and not be dead. Well, it's yeah. I'm gonna be that guy and say, in my view, both main events are weaker than most of their cards. And that's fair. Like, the, if you feel yeah. like one side's weaker than the other, that's no problem. I got no issue with that. But to say they're doing it on purpose or just because they don't care, I think is kind of ridiculous. Oh, I mean, like, both main events are weaker than their entire lower cards. Like, I think their lower cards are so stacked. To yeah. I agree. Anyway. I agree, too. I think that uh, the Night 2 main event will have good storytelling in it because Balor's been doing awesome storytelling with mm -hmm. his matches, especially with that Pete Dunn one. But uh, and Cross coming back, he's gonna he he does good uh, storytelling in the ring, even though he only does like five or six moves. But I still really like Cross. It's just it's hard for me to get like excited for a Cross match in the main event after him and Lee was such a wet start. And I'll say this also, I'm also worried because Balor in his last like two or three matches, every time it's either him or his opponent has been injured, and like I'm actually scared. And Cross's last match was an injured match, so I'm like. Please, for the love of God, do not. Uh, he's had a couple on NXT. That yes. since he came back, yeah, he yeah. Cool. yeah, yeah. He, he faced, faced uh, he faced Santos Escobar. Right. It's been a month uh, since I last match. Yeah, he faced a Priest as well. Uh, yeah, I worry that these two are going to be too hard hitting. It then, like that's the thing with takeovers; they all go out in a. Yeah. They've had injuries yeah. everywhere. They go hard. Yep. All day, all night. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yep. uh, Red, you were looking more forward towards this card, obviously. Uh, is this the match? It's the, it's the main event. Is this the one, or are you looking toward the other stuff? I'm looking forward to all four matches. Okay, well, what about this one, though? Like, it's got you. I mean, 
honestly, it, it's weaker. Like on the best car- match on the whole card is going to be uh, Gargano and I'm assuming Loomis. I think that has the most story. I think that's going to be the the surprise of the night because we already know the other everyone else can perform. Okay, I'm trying to follow. Um, because I I disagree with that uh, out of the gate that that's <laughs> going to be the match of the night because the other one's looking ridiculous. But I know some people aren't fans across. But do you feel this one's going to be the match of the night if it's Gargano and Loomis because we know the other ones will be good and this one will be better because we don't have that from Loomis yet? I, I think this one's going to be the surprise. Like Your standards are already so high for everyone else that this one's going to blow you out and everyone else is just going to be exactly what you expected. Yeah, but my standards are 10s for the other ones, and if they hit those 10s, that's great. I'm not going to be disappointed with the 10s. Just because they're tens that I expected, and that one I mean, also happens. That I am though. So but, no. So so you're saying that if you get exactly what you expected with this awesomeness with Balor and Cross and Cole and O'Reilly and Devlin and Escobar, and it's like top tier, amazing, holy crap, that was incredible. Ah well, I only got what I expected. Is that what you're? That that's how I'm reading it. But oh, but Loomis, I, look at him step up. That was amazing. I don't. I don't. I'm not following. Him. Well, biggest. I think. Red, I think you're saying you said the biggest surprise, not like it's the best. Is that right? Because I can see if that. We're, I mean, obviously, I can't predict the matches until I see them. But based on Balor and Cross, I know they're going to be an amazing match. Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, amazing match. Devlin and Escobar, amazing match. Gargano and Loomis, I believe, is going to be the match that outperforms all of them. Just for the fact that you aren't expecting it, it's going to blow your mind compared to everything else. This is what you're expecting of them. Um, have you forgotten Johnny Gargano's name is Johnny Takeover? He's He makes everything a top-tier match in NXT. He hasn't had one bad takeover match, ever. Even with Leon Ruff. You're not wrong. I think the, I think the Cruiserweights are going to kill it easily in the ladder match. They ladder matched this with the great promo, by the way, with Michaels just walking out and putting a ladder in the ring, which I thought was amazing. And that was a smart way to do it and really fun. But, oh my God, Devlin Escobar in a ladder match. It is the best story they could have pulled with COVID, having a champion overseas. And NXT is a representation on TV as NXT and NXT UK in some parts. Mm -hmm. So why not have two different champions, even though one couldn't be on 205 Live, so that makes it a little weird, but... Whatever. He won it, and it was being defended in NXT UK. And then COVID happened, and, I mean, he's in the UK. There you go. So they had an interim one, but then they dropped that interim by the time they got there. Now, when NXT UK came back on TV, they had this amazing promo with Devlin reminding everybody who he is, and then getting very angry about people forgetting who he is, and taking interim off of that, and calling Escobar the champion, not the interim champion. And he was so angry. This was, like, August. Or whatever it was. It was oh, it was so good. So this inevitability coming, bear me, I'll come over to you on this one. We were wanting this forever. I know you're you're more a fan of Escobar, but this match is gonna be insane. It is. I actually like both guys a lot in the ring. Like Jordan Devlin's he's a stud too. I I think he's actually gonna win this match too, in my opinion. I'm gonna call I don't know if it'll be an upset in a lot of people's eyes, but yeah, I think Jordan Devlin's also going to win. And they're going to pull out some crazy high-flying shit. I have Escobar here winning, but yeah, this is going to tear down the house. It's going to be great. I got Escobar. I think they're going to try to keep it on NXT TV and 
not knowing what's going to happen with UK. So yeah, I'm also leaning Devlin. Yeah, but here's the thing: one, he always has an ace up his sleeve. That's his gimmick. Yeah. And also, how cool is it that we get an NXT takeover before Mania, where you have the student and the master both as champions walking in with Devlin and Balor? Like that is awesome on the same night. Yeah, they went one on one at one of the first takeovers. I think the second one or yeah, whatever. first UK takeover beat yeah. due to an injury right. and yeah. killed it. Like Balor has to be like a like Big Brother moment, like just pure happiness to see his student who even somewhat looks like him and dresses like him. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's gonna Dude. be some awesome behind the scenes photos that come from that. It's gonna be cool with the two of them with their belts, and especially if if Devlin wins and has two belts because he's gonna get Escobars as well, right? So that's gonna be oh. pretty fun. Oh, he could literally just go to him and goes, if Balor loses, he goes, hey, do you want this title? I don't need it. Uh, now, the last match we'll talk about is Cole and O'Reilly unsanctioned. Uh, it's not going to be where they grew up like the Tave and Vincent was because they're not going to be split between wherever Adam's Cole, uh, Cole is from. I forget suddenly and, you know, Canada for O'Reilly. But uh, this match is going to be nuts because they've been going full tilt with the story of them absolutely hating each other. We also know just how good these guys are. And if I'm correct, they feuded over the Ring of Honor title, even at a Wrestle Kingdom, if I remember correctly, CT. Yep. That's my segue to come to you. And the title change happened there, making Cole, I Cole. believe, the three-time champion at that point. But Don't know about the three-time, but yeah, Colby O'Reilly in a really good match for the ROH World title at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, this match is going to be fantastic. Like, uh, this might just be match of the... We'd say match of the night. Match of the two nights? I don't really know how you say that. Um, this should be fantastic. I'm going Kyle O'Reilly here, but I think they built this really well. I like the footage at like his gym where Cole attacks him. I just think this has been really well built. You know, I don't think a lot of people were necessarily like, oh, Undisputed Era split up. That's good. But like, they really sold me on this feud and like, I'm excited for it. I know Cole has done great work with that, with the McAfee stuff where he was on the podcast and whatnot, building stuff up. He, he's done great work with that and, going to Gargano's pizza place for crying out loud with his parents. Oh, the only thing that really sucks with the storyline is the fact that fish is hurt mm-hmm. and they're kind of like, they have to kind of like push Roderick. Cause I think if fish was healthy, you could have fish with O'Reilly. You could have strong with Cole, but strong's probably going to be involved. Who knows? Fish could be there ringside. Like it's a family feud and it's going to be awesome. Is it crazy to think that we could have seen a fatal four way out of these guys next year? I'm so? hoping next year. Red, I, like we we've talked a lot about with the story and aspects and stuff like that because you're you're big on that aspects of it. What do you see out of this match? What appeals to you? Yeah, you're not wrong. The whole story of Adam wanting to go solo, turning on everybody. Kyler Riley's pissed off. He's coming back saying no, can't do that. Blah blah blah. I really think Kyler Riley should win this. I'm afraid Adam Cole might, but I think Kylie O'Reilly should. Just for the fact that Adam Cole's the bigger star, Kyle O'Reilly winning would make him upwards of the near caliber of Adam Cole. I'm not saying he's going to eclipse him, but I think he'll bring him up to the spotlight of the top people. Because right now, when you think NXT, Kyle O'Reilly's name normally doesn't pop up compared to like Adam Cole and Finn Balor. No, I get that. They've been working at that after the, the Balor-O'Reilly matches. And it's one thing to say that people who know know about O'Reilly because of all his Ring of Honor stuff and his history there, former world champion with, with Ring of Honor. But you're right, with the NXT people, he's a tag guy. And they're seeing him in a new light, and they're doing a killer job of it. I, I do feel that that has so far been great. 
uh, Bear Me, I did save you for last because I know that you are big with the Undisputed Era and Adam Cole. Uh, I'll just turn it over to you. What do you feel about this one? I'm sad that my boys are broken up, but well, if they ever get back together, we all know how epic that's going to be. But um, yeah, I like the whole storyline. O'Reilly, when he came back, looked like he hadn't slept for like days. He showed up in like that denim jacket and the Metallica shirt and just beat the shit out of Adam Cole. That was cool. Um, Adam Cole beating up O'Reilly. It's just, it's going to be hard hitting. You want to talk about a hard hitting match? These guys are going to beat the shit out of each other too. And uh, I got uh, Kyle O'Reilly winning. He's going to overtake Adam Cole. The fact that they're going to go so crazy and you got Balor and Cross who can't not and then a goddamn ladder match. Yeah, that that's going to be so ridiculous. Like, it's a good thing Walter's on night one because he's going to chop, chomp his chest in. It, it's it's all going to be ridiculous, hard-hitting stuff. Uh, I, I'm i looking forward to both nights. I know you guys are. I might just back-to-back yeah. -back it with Peacock considering Wednesday I might not be around to watch it. But I'm definitely going to at least check it out after the fact. Now, I will say also... Walter is defending night one, but he's also technically defending the day of night two in the UK because UK is doing a special NXT earlier in the day. So the prelude, yeah, yeah, so much wrestling. That was the last. And y'all better check that out live on Peacock if you want to see it because they're not going to be uploading that shit for probably two weeks. Yeah, knowing Peacock. <laughs> uh, now that's I know Red was talking about this a bit uh, before the recording, but there's I believe nine days. Red, I've got the list here, but it's nine days, right? One, two, three. It's it's nine days of WWE content. Yeah, you could stretch it out um, to just wrestling content. Yeah, like I think that's either ten or eleven, we, hell, even twelve at that point. But yeah, we've got April fifth is Raw. We've got the sixth is the Hall of Fame. We've got the seventh is the Takeover Day One. Plus, it's Dynamite, and then on the eighth, it's Takeover Day Two, and then the ninth is SmackDown, and then WrestleMania's on the tenth and eleventh, and then we're back to Monday with Raw. That's how that works. Then NXT moved to the thirteenth. The 14th has a dynamite and we continue because I didn't mention Ring of Honor. They air like through the weekend. And then you've also got Impact moving to Thursday. So that's going to be a thing. And Power's on Tuesdays. And uh, Impact. Yeah, Impact is a special and uh, so is AEW oh, yeah. somewhat. The the 10th is going to be uh, Hardcore Justice. Uh, like same day as WrestleMania. So probably in the afternoon during all of this and let's not forget that WWE network with peacock just has stuff running all the time because there's documentaries and stuff also as well so it's, it's one thing to say yeah they've got content all the time they have a 24-hour network with new stuff all the time not every 24 hours but yeah it's not really to me it's not that noteworthy that they're doing that because they kind of do all the time it's just highlighted with two days of mania two days of takeover it's it's stretched out. What's the date that that nine days start? Is it the third uh, or Monday? Monday Rock? the fifth. Okay, Monday the fifth. Got it. So then I'll have ten days because Sunday, April fourth, is Sakura Genesis. <laughs> gonna be a good show. <laughs> Y'all should start that. Start your weekends off with that too. We're gonna get a look at that beautiful title there. Is that, is that what's up? Yeah. Well, and Osprey, Osprey's hopefully gonna win it, and it's gonna look probably better on him. Well, CT, we'll end this. It's top of the card. It, it's the, the main event of it. That's the big belt. That's one of the historic belts. Do you see them splitting it anytime soon? Like 10 years? Do you see them breaking oh, apart? No. no. Splitting it? No, absolutely not. <laughs> they just, I, I mean, if anything, they, maybe, they, maybe they introduce 
another title, but like I don't, I don't think we're going to see any changes anytime soon with those. They don't backtrack on stuff like that. Okay, I wasn't sure because I know Jay White's like, I'm going to split them. It's like, oh, God, dude. <laughs> Like, he's, yeah, he's, he's gonna heal, but still. No, uh, I don't. I, I mean, of course, you know, I cannot predict the future. Anything is possible in the world of wrestling, but like, I don't think we're gonna go back on that anytime soon. Could they change course and be like, you know what, we made a mistake, we're going back? Well, we like, still don't know lineage-wise what they're really oh. doing. Like, they're very unclear with lineages. They played a very nice video package before showing all the champions. Yeah, showing both the titles, so they could easily retroactively say like. I mean, not even attractively because they haven't said they're not doing this, that it, the lineages are really continuing. It's, it's just, it, it's possible. It, it feels like a bit of the Triple Crown that All Japan has, where it was belts unified into one to make a new thing, where they didn't really say, yeah, the, the person who had this had the other ones before, but those lineages fed into this. And I mean, it was called the double title for a while, right? The double gold, the double rush. Yeah. It's kind of a thing. And quite a few people are calling this the V5 title, the fifth version of the world title. So, like, I think the important point, no matter, like, I think it's very kind of Western, be like, oh, the semantics of, like, what is it called? And, you know, whatever. Like, this is their main title belt. They've always had one main title belt, no matter what it's been called or who's held or what it's looked like. Like, this is the top title of their company. It still holds that prestige. But that history is agreed kind of kind of weird right now. Yeah, even if it looks like M. Bison's logo from Street Fighter in a way, it's uh, or the Street Fighter logo itself a little bit. It's a weird thing. It's weird. Yeah. But we'll we'll end it there with top of the card. Uh, we are still back and forth on weekly by weekly because stuff keeps happening. We do know we plan to be back next week because that's going to be when we talk about WrestleMania in the middle of these goddamn nine days of what's going on before that. So that'll be in there. So. I'm just going to wrap it up here. Thanks everybody again for listening. Uh, any comments, please like, and subscribe all that fun stuff. Let us know top of the card pod on Twitter, and you can reach ours as well with the description information of the five of us, uh, for CT GMSG red and bear me. This is Scott and have a good night.